is Power in Nutrition, and today's guest is going to tell us all about the opportunities in the field of equine nutrition. So tune in. It's a good one today, Thrivers. Welcome to the Thriving Equine Professional, the podcast to grow you. Are you wondering how to make connections to build your career in the equine industry? Not sure where to look for the support you'll need to land a dream job? Maybe you're feeling frustrated or stuck where you are. Hey, I'm Jody. I was that girl with no clue how to navigate landing a great career in animal health, but I knew this is where I wanted to be. I look back and cannot believe the roles I've landed and the people I call friends. Inside this podcast, you will meet key connections, build your career confidence, and find the advice you may not know you need. So if you're ready to grow your career and thrive in a job that you are passionate about, you're in the right place. Get the ponies fed and fill those water buckets. It's time to grow, girl. Quick reminders today, Thrivers, before we get started. First, Next Gen Equine Vet Med. We want to see you in Texas, Kentucky, or West Virginia. So head on over to my website at www.jodyspeakslife.com to make sure you have all the information on Next Gen Equine Vet Med. Second, My 2024 speaking calendar is booking and I would love to work with you. So if you are interested in having me join you as a speaker, a trainer, or a facilitator, then please reach out to me via LinkedIn or my website. You can find me on LinkedIn at Jody Lynch Findlay. With that, let's get on with the show. Happy Thursday, Thrivers. We are back with another incredible guest today who, unlike some of the past few guests where I have met them very recently, Dr. Kelly Vineyard, you have been putting up with me for quite a few years. And so my time when I was with Purina Feed started in 2006, and I was with Purina from 2006 to 2011, where we saw one another pretty pretty recently um, and often. And then as I moved into the pharmaceutical side of my career, we would at least see each other every year at AAEP. So Dr. Vineyard, thank you for being a guest on The Thriving Equine Professional. I can't wait to share your story and your journey as a nutritionist in equine technical solutions. So welcome. Well, thank you, Jody. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to be to have this conversation with you today. I've, I've been listening to you and I've, like you said, we've known each other for a, a long time and I respect and admire you. So I really do appreciate you inviting me to join you today. I can't wait to share your story because first and foremost, we have so many listeners. You and I have some similar passion for young people who want to pursue careers in equine. And so many of the students that we talk to They have a limited idea of what they can do, and everyone thinks that they can just be a veterinarian. So I know that your story started similarly. So let's start there, Dr. Vineyard, with 
you're not a veterinarian, but you have quite a few letters behind your name. So let's talk a little bit about the early years. Well, that's right. I actually remember when I was uh, about in third or fourth grade, we did an exercise in class about what do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, number one and only answer was veterinarian. And that that was my answer all up until I got into college. So, you know, I was a first just dog and cat crazy kid. And then I was introduced to horses when I was about 12 years old. And at that point, it was all over with. I was completely smitten and did all the things, the horseback riding lessons, you know, did the little horse shows. I came from a family that was not horsey, you know, so I had to sort of beg and, you know, clean stalls so I could take lessons and, um, you know, juggle everything to make sure my parents still, you know, thought I could keep doing the horses and they were so supportive and I'm so grateful that they supported my crazy habit that they did not understand. And so that's what led me to Auburn University to do my bachelor's degree in animal science, because what else do you do if you want to be a veterinarian, right? You're going to get an animal science degree. So I took all the equine classes while I was there. I actually also joined and and helped start the Auburn equestrian team, which by the way, is a kind of another connection you and I have. I know you have a lot of um, experience on with equestrian teams and actually my coach at Auburn, you worked with Robin and, and Valerie in your past too, right? I sure did. That is our connection. So shout out to Dr. Robin Barrow and Valerie Walthart for sure. That's right. It's such a small connected equine world, isn't it? Um, because that was, wow, in the ni- late 90s when I was yes. on the Auburn equestrian team. And it actually wasn't until my senior year Uh, of college that I had a really good mentor there at at, at Auburn who said, you know, you don't just have to go to school. You could get a graduate degree. And at the time we were talking about reproduction and equine repro. And I'm like, really? I I didn't even know that was a thing. And um, he said, yeah, you can like study science in horses because I was very strong in science. I really like science. And so I, I kind of toyed around with repro and I actually worked at, I got a job. This is one of my big things, like just try it out, you know, see if you like it. So I went and got a job at the Auburn vet school, you know, like just helping in the repro lab there. Oh, spoiler alert. Didn't work for me. I did not love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm glad I got the experience. Um, and it probably saved me a lot of problems in the future because I said, you know what? No, I don't want to go study repro in college, but, but what about nutrition? And the reason I kind of landed on nutrition is because I actually had a cat when I was in college who got really, really sick. And the veterinarians basically were like, there's nothing you can do. Got to euthanize him. And long story short, I ended up taking him to holistic veterinarian who helped me create his own diet from like we created from raw ingredients and vitamins and supplements. And I'd go to the health food store and I like made his own food for a year. He ate better than I did when I was in college and ended up that cat zero converted from the leukemia that he had was testing negative, gained a bunch of weight and he lived like 10 more years. So my gosh. Yeah. So I learned very clearly in my own experience that there's power in nutrition, right? And so 
between me deciding, you know, maybe veterinary school is not the path for me, having a good mentor to drive me into a science field, and then having that experience with nutrition, I mean, that's what like lit me up, you know, I'm like, horses light me up, and then like, helping horses through nutrition kind of lit me up. And I said, okay, that's it. Sign me up. How do you do this thing? Like, how do you go to school and study nutrition? And so it was not a direct path. I will say that though. When I finished college, I actually went to be a horse trainer for a year. Really? Go straight to school. <laughs> yes. Because I, I knew that it was an option, but I was I still wasn't convinced. You know, I, I wasn't sure. Can you really make a living just like learning about nutrition for horses? So I actually moved to Kansas City. Missouri. And I took a job as an assistant trainer, had a great experience there, learned how to break horses. You know, we, they had a trail riding business. I helped them do trail rides, but I made $6 an hour and I worked my butt off. <laughs> and it was hard work. <laughs> and I did that for about a year. And I said, you know what, maybe I should go back to grad school <laughs> <laughs> because I really kind of saw that if I wanted to continue in that life and start my own business, I was going to have to leave that barn and start my own business. And I just didn't, I wasn't sure that that was where, what lit me up. Right. So right. what lit me up was helping horses and, you know, I was really good in science. And so I started applying and putting my applications in where all the strong nutrition programs were. And that's what led me to university of Florida to, to get my master's and my PhD eventually. Right. And equine. Yep. And you still live in Florida. So you you are home in the Sunshine State currently, right? That's right. I came to Gainesville in the year 2000 and uh, never left. So here we never are left. 24 years later, almost. And but I'm really fortunate because, you know, I came here intending to just work on my master's degree. And again, I had a really good mentor who sat me down and said, you know, you should stick around. You should get your PhD. And I'm like, oh, no, I, I want to go get a job right now. I can't wait another four years. Like, let's go. Because I actually was in graduate school for seven years. So wow. funny how life works. Originally, one of the reasons I was nervous about vet school was the time commitment in school. I thought four years is too long. I need to get out in the real world before that. Well, joke's on me. I ended up being in school for seven <laughs> years. <laughs> so, but that mentor sat me down and said, you need to work in the industry and, or as a professor at the time, really, that was the track I was on was academia. And, you know, you need a PhD to be in academia. So I listened and, and I'm really glad I did because it, it did work out well. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Florida is such a horsey state. So of course I'm going to stay here if I can. There's a lot of horses here. So Yes. Now you mentioned before we get into, you know, the incredible work that you do at Purina, I love some of the advice that you like to share and you alluded to your number one piece of advice, which I think you consider your superpower. And I want to make sure that our listeners hear you say, say yes. So you talked about that in your experience. So tell us about why you are quick to say, this is my superpower and say yes to opportunities. Well, I like new experiences, first of all. I think uh, I can get bored of doing the same thing over and over again. So there's a little bit of that in me naturally, 
But what I've learned over the years is my willingness to say yes to some of these kind of new opportunities that may seem a little scary at first or different or off the wall. They have been the most impactful in either teaching me some type of life lesson or, you know, getting the attention of a, of a interviewer for my job. So a good example of that is when I was an undergrad at Auburn, they, you know, encouraged us to do internships. And most people would do like a couple months of an internship at, at a local feed store or some type of local place and, and work there for a couple months and get check the internship box. Well, I decided to do my internship at a dude ranch in Colorado. I had to drive out there, didn't know anybody. And this was before the internet. So you were like calling on the phone, you know? I mean, we, yes. I think we had email, but that was, they did, definitely didn't have a website. So I couldn't like stalk these people. I just had to show up on their door and be like, I will be your wrangler for the next three months in Colorado. It was a guest ranch. I didn't really know anything about cattle because I was an English writer, but I said yes anyway when when I got hired and I tell you what that experience number 1 it led to me going back for three more summers because I loved it so much and number 2 every job interview I ever had or even like grad school interview they I put that on my resume and they asked me about it and I swear that's what got me the job they yes. loved seeing that on my resume and, you know, they didn't care about my 4.0 GPA or, you know, things like that. It was the experience that they wanted to talk about. So, I mean, I could go through a lot of other examples, but that's just a really good example. When you're still trying to figure out what it is you really want to do, say yes to as many opportunities, opportunities as you can, because number one, you learn what you like. Number two, you create some really cool experiences and memories. And number three, it, it may lead to something permanent. So. Yes, I love every part of that. And I try, I think that we are in a place where we're really coming out of what I call uh, comparisonitis, where we all feel like we have to be the same. And we're starting to see some of that versatility or uniqueness or authenticity, whatever we want to call it, come forward again. And that's such a great example of why those kinds of yeses to the off the wall, the out of state, the different opportunities, the learning something that you've never done before really creates what I consider to be a competitive advantage for you for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So you spent three summers then working on the Colorado Guest Ranch and then, and that was during your time at Auburn. And then you did your master's and your PhD at UF. And so how then did you get to Purina? Right. So, you know, when you're in graduate school, I do like to remind people graduate school is a job. So that was really my first job, you know, being a grad student. So my job was to do research and publish that research on behalf of the University of Florida. And I also was a teaching assistant in many different classes. And then I supported, you know, the animal science program. So I was had a job that I didn't really get paid for very well. <laughs> but uh, what I didn't get paid for in money, I got paid for in loads and experience. So that seven years was very valuable in experience. And I was sort of on the academic track. You know, when you have your master's or and or PhD, I mean, that's usually the track you're on. You know, you're going to continue doing research at a major institution. And that's 
was the goal until I started opening my eyes to industry, right? And one of the ways that I did that was attending professional conference, specifically the Equine Science Society. So that Equine Science Society is a great organization for anyone interested in equine science, whether it's, you know, veterinary related or, you know, it's mostly focused on nutrition, exercise physiology, genetics, molecular biology, pretty much all of the science fields that have to do with horses. And so I attended though, they're held every two years. And as a grad student, you go and you present your research. And I met people in the industry who, you know, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize you could also work for a company and, you know, use your expertise in that capacity. And so one of those meetings I was attending and I'll never forget, I was having after dinner drinks, you know, with some people as you do at these conferences, right? Yes. And I met Dr. Mary Beth Gordon and for the very first time, and she was newly hired uh, at Purina Animal Nutrition. And she was just somebody, she struck me like, uh, you know, I admired her. She was very smart. She was very articulate and very friendly. And so we got to talking and just sort of kept in touch. And she's like, look, when you graduate, you know, let me know. And two years later, I let her know. Yes. <laughs> and that's essentially what led me to my Purina job as a personal connection I made at a conference. And, you know, of course, I, you know, had to present my research and, and present myself professionally and well. And I had to interview with a million people at Purina. But that I really draw it back to that one conversation that opened that door. And I just sort of kept the door open. And, you know, that was, gosh, probably 17 years ago at this point. Now, Dr. Beth Gordon is one of my closest friends. So, you know, I feel like I lucked out big time. Yes, without a doubt. And I love, you know me well enough to know that I just preach the human connection and how important that is. And one of the pieces of advice that you share is that every day is a job interview. And I think that that really puts it into perspective. So explain that to our listeners, because we do talk to a lot of students and early career equine enthusiasts. And I, I think that we talk a lot about, especially the student to professional transition and what we can do to support these students. And I don't know that there is any better way to say it than how you say every day is a job interview. Right. I mean, you know, even though you're, if you're not officially in an interview, uh, don't think for a second, people aren't paying attention to how you, you know, handle yourself and how you, you do or do not follow up with, with things. So, you know, for example, I think something as simple as like good follow-up is huge. I know, you know, I've worked with a lot of students over the years. And then even in my early years, when I was kind of, you know, communicating with Dr. Mary Beth Gordon, I would send her an email every once in a while and just say, hello, how are you? I'm about you know six months out from graduating, or you know I remember one time I found an error on one on the Purina website. It was like a an error in one of the guaranteed analysis, and I'm a real detail oriented person, so I said, like, "Hey, just wanted to let you know, like this, I know this isn't correct, and you might want to fix it." And she was actually so grateful for that. Yes, I was really nervous sending that to her, you know, but in a way, I'm like showing her, like if you were to hire me 
that's the kind of things I can bring to the table. You know, I'm detail oriented and, and I like, you know, I like things to be correct. And so I think just every day is a job interview too. you know, even in those times when you're sitting at, at, at dinner and having a casual conversation with maybe a new work colleague that you get introduced to, like, you know, having eye contact and, and, and being friendly and asking questions about themselves makes you, uh, they're going to remember you, right? Yes. <laughs> Instead of just sort of like blowing somebody off because you think maybe they're not going, you're never going to see them again. Don't ever assume that, right? Like, right. Make sure they at least feel, you know, comfortable around you and that, that you care about who they are. Yeah. And this industry is far too small not to know, to your point, that we are all memorable in one way or another. So we have every opportunity to make that a good memory and really create our own path. Now, you also talk a little bit about in today's world, don't be afraid to accept an entry level position and get in the door, get into the industry. And I I also just think that's really valuable. So tell us a little bit about why you think that's important. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely answer that. I think from the perspective of my current, you know, position as as a senior nutritionist at Purina. I mean, I've been working now and with Purina for 15 years. So I've 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 seen a lot of people kind of come and go uh, in in our groups. I've seen a lot of in the sales division, people come and go and the people that stay a lot of times have come in at that entry level position, there really is no better way to get your foot in the door of an organization than, you know, maybe it's not your dream job. Maybe you want to be a sales specialist with your own, you know, territory, but maybe the only position that's open is this, what we call a lifestyle product specialist. That's just, you know, at one single dealer, maybe that's not what you had wanted, but it is absolutely a stepping stone. And I would say yeah. that is many a big opportunity for many people to move on as long as you kind of show up and, you know, do your job well. And there's no better job interview than than a, a job well done, I think. Yes. Too. I think I have definitely taken some entry-level positions, you know, especially before I went to grad school. I mean, even that $6 an hour job I took as training horses, like... I wasn't too proud to take that. You know, I wanted to learn how to break and train horses and I was willing to, you know, clean stalls, even though I had a college education. I mean, that was, I was happy to do it, you know, and I'm really glad I did. I mean, it, it didn't end up to end up as my career, but it did teach me valuable lessons and it taught me to appreciate just that side of the industry too. Yes. It's a really... I have a huge respect for horse trainers and people who run their own horse training business now and I understand their their challenges. And so even in my role now as a nutritionist and when I visit farms and I'm trying to help them with nutrition programs, like I I know it from their side too, you know, right. Really valuable experience in that way too. Yeah. It creates so much what I call character. It adds to our level of empathy and our ability to be versatile with so many people and so many demographics that we're able to work with. So 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Now let's talk a little bit more about Purina Animal Nutrition and the evolution of your role. You have been involved in some really cool and exciting projects along the way, uh, patents and you know new products and things like that. So talk a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I have had a few different roles while at Purina. Currently, I am on the equine technical solutions team and um, you know nutritionist, which means I do a little bit of everything. So I work with research and development on new product development, although that is not my primary role. Um, I also work with our sales team and training. So we absolutely want to make sure Folks like you used Jody, you know, you understand yeah. our products and how they work and how to recommend them correctly. And not even just about our products. We train, you know, general nutrition, you know, just horse care in general. You know, we just, we think that that's a really big, important part of a nutrition plan for horses. So do a lot of training for our sales force and coming up with the training programs. I um, work with marketing very closely. That's actually a pretty large part of my role right now. Meaning anytime, you know, you see an advertisement or on Facebook um, from Purina uh, horse feed, I've had to approve it to make sure it's technically correct. And I'm also sort of having input on like how we talk about things or how we don't talk about things. You know, we're, we're very careful uh, to make sure, you know, all the claims we make are accurate and based on science. And sometimes my marketing partners like, you know, don't love that about me, but that's my job. And, you know, I'm going to keep them honest. And I love that job, that part of the job, actually. So I've got marketing, I've got R&D, I've got training for the sales team. And I'm also the lead person on our equine veterinary marketing efforts and equine veterinary relations, I would say. So anytime a horse vet emails or calls Purina for nutrition advice, they talk to me. That is like my job. I give them a private nutrition consult, usually at some kind of weird case or, or some, some issue that's going on. I also do a lot of speaking at veterinary CE events and training vets on nutrition, which is really important. And also vet techs, not just veterinarians, vet techs as well. I think actually a lot more nutrition advice sometimes gets handed out through techs. Yes. As opposed to the veterinarian, because they actually have the time and energy and, and maybe even the enthusiasm about nutrition and to share that yeah. with their client. And so I love working with veterinary technicians in that way too. So yeah, I'm like the jack of all trades nutritionist, you know, right. I mean, I do like a little bit of everything. And when I first started with Purina, I was more in a strict R&D role, meaning all I was doing was focusing on innovation and new product development. And, you know, came out with products like, you know, well gel was really the first product I ever sort of led through development, which hopefully you've never heard of it because it's one of those things you don't want to ever need. But if you need it, you want to have it. It is an enteral diet for horses, like a liquid diet for horses that are very sick that can't eat um, or won't eat. And so that was kind of a fun project to get my feet wet into R&D and then you know, went on, I've developed a product Purina Super Sport, you know, with my team too. It wasn't just me, but the, I kind of led that project. We also, I worked for a very many years on the Active Age Prebiotic, which is a prebiotic that goes into all of our senior feeds now. And 
what I loved on that project was we got to partner with the University of Kentucky, Glucky Quinn Research Center, did some really good work with Dr. Amanda Adams there. We love doing research at our own farm, but when it makes sense, we also go to other places too when needed. And so we ended up patenting that technology because it was so powerful and, and supporting yeah. immune function forces. So that was all some really good experience for me in terms of, you know, getting to use my science brain, getting to use my nutrition brain and like having a product that helps horses, you know, I mean, it was like my yeah. dream country for sure. Yeah. I, I wanted to make sure that you got to tell that story a little bit because that was, that was your baby, right. For a long time. And just, I think it really reflects not only on you, but also the brand and the standard of excellence that, you know, we think about when we're putting premium products out there. And so you've given us also so many options. If our listeners are paying attention to all the jobs that have equine associated with them and the people that you work with from sales to marketing, to R and D to nutrition and being able to have those types of collaborations at, you know, someplace like Gluck with Dr. Amanda Adams and so many opportunities. And, and that's really, I think what our listeners are often so hungry for because it's like, wow, we had no idea. That's important. I would love to say a little bit more about specifically marketing, because if you're listening right now and you think you have any interest in business slash marketing, go for it. We need more equine focused marketers in this world. I work with a lot of marketers who have zero equine experience and they do well, but it's a huge learning curve for them, right? They have to learn, they have to like get all the lingo and, and they don't know a difference between a Philly and a cold. And, you know, we always joke, yes. like it's like six months of education, but there are so many opportunities out there in marketing. And if you, you know, with any type of horse related brand, whether it's a feed brand or an apparel brand or, you know, medical or, you know, veterinary. Yeah, correct. The marketing side, is, we forget about that, I think. You know, we think yeah. all about the science and about that side of, of equine. But, you know, business degree, a marketing degree can be very helpful. And you have your equine experience. And you go apply for a marketing job for the Purina Animal Nutrition Horse Marketing Group. And you have a horse and you show your horse. You better believe your resume is going to be at the top of the list. Yes, you are getting <laughs> yeah. an interview, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. Well, I love all that, but then let's also make sure that you share some of the life lessons. You and I have talked about this. You have achieved so much. You've had this incredible career. You are also a wife and a mom. You're hashtag boy mom, right? And so that has all been kind of part of your career path. And I love the way you talk about that and how transparent you are, Kelly, about the challenges that come along with that and the lessons you've learned as it relates to personal wellness. And I think those two kind of both go together. So tell us a little bit about being such a successful working mom and personal wellness. Well, um, well, that's a big can of worms there, <laughs> but, but it is, it is a huge piece of who I am. Um, yeah. You know, I have two sons, uh, ages 12 and nine, you know, they are everything to me. 
I just enjoy them so much. We were just talking about what a great age this is. Like they're finally self-sufficient. <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day. I was actually, I think it takes like eight or nine years to get to that point. So I'm just now like entering that where I don't have to worry about them killing themselves when I'm talking to you for an hour, right? <laughs> and that's reality because being a working mom is hard. And I would just say, like, don't let anybody tell you otherwise, because if you think it's going to be easy, you're going to be up for a rude awakening. <laughs> but just because something's not hard or just because something's easy or not easy doesn't mean it's not worth it. And so I think if I had any sort of insights that I've learned up until this point is, you know, I think very importantly, early on, you need to find a really good support system. If you're a working mom, you're going to have to have a supportive partner. You're going to have to have supportive um, caretakers. You know, maybe you pay them, maybe they're a grandma, you know, but it's going to be somebody. I had both. I certainly had nannies. I had childcare and I had grandma and I had a supportive partner and it was still hard, but you know, that makes it possible to where everybody's needs are met. And also there were definitely times throughout my 15 years in this career, I've had to make sacrifices and that, you know, when those times are, and sometimes there it's an easy choice and sometimes it's a hard choice. And when I say make sacrifices, sometimes you'll make sacrifices personally or, or that for your kids. And sometimes you sacrifice your job. And I have sacrificed, almost lost my job actually at Purina at one point, because after I'd had my first son, Owen, when he, when I came back, kind of back from maternity leave, I came back thinking I could do it all, you know, and I go back, travel, go back full-time, full force. And after about nine months, I was just a wreck. I couldn't see straight, <laughs> um, mostly because I was sleep deprived. And when you have infants, that's part of the, the game. And so I had to go to my boss and say, something's got to change. Like, I don't think I can, what I was doing before anymore, either something's got to change or I have to walk away. And um, I'm really, really fortunate that I had a great boss who was willing to work with me. However, I did sacrifice my job in that role. I had to change roles. So yeah. I stayed with Purina, but I had to change roles. And, um, you know, if I just stayed in that role, you know, maybe I'd be leading R&D at this point, who knows, but you know what, that wasn't for me. Now I'm in tech solutions and I love what I do now too. And it was ended up being the correct path for me. Um, but at the time it was a really hard sacrifice and questioned it, but it was, it was necessary, you know, on the flip side, you know, I'm, I've made sacrifices for my kids. Like I've had to miss important events for them and for something for work that came up that that took precedent and you know what at the end of the day they understand as long as I kind of I'm up front with them I'm really big on being like really honest with your kids and sort of just tell them like it is and help them yeah. see your perspective and so far so good that approach has worked really well in our family you know when mommy has to travel and this is why she's traveling and this is why she has to miss this and and she'll call and FaceTime and we'll try to make up for it where we can, but, but it's still a sacrifice, right? Yeah. Like, but at the end of the day, like, I'm very happy with where our family is. I'm really happy with where my work is. And I just had to always be kind of true to like, what was most important to all of everybody involved. 
and uh, can't really go wrong if you're just true to what's your values. Yes. Oh, amen to that. I think that we're re-reminding ourselves, you know, in the midst of the hustle culture that I think, you know, has really kind of come out of COVID and, and then we're all like, okay, I think we can do better. You know, really as human beings, let's take, let's pump the brakes for just a minute and, and let's really talk about some of, of the challenges that we're facing. And I think that, you know, you and I have very similar uh, opinions on what we have learned over the past 15 years of of these careers about personal wellness and our physical, mental, and spiritual health and how, like you say it beautifully, Kelly, when you say that that is a direct correlation between your professional satisfaction and success. And I think that you and I are both really similar in that that might not have been always been a priority. You know, we're, we're probably type A, you know, we want to be successful and we want to achieve all the things we're supposed to achieve and do the things we're supposed to do. And then somewhere along the line, we have to be reminded of who we are. Yeah, absolutely. I have not always put emphasis on my, you know, when I say personal wellness, specifically like nutrition and exercise and sleep, those sound really basic and sound like, oh yeah, everybody knows how to eat well and exercise and get enough sleep. I'm a, have a PhD in nutrition. You would have thought I would have known that, but it really took me up until, I don't know, six or seven years ago. I almost reached burnout. And I almost like came to this point where I'm like, I can't function. And I was like, unhappy with my job. I was unhappy at home. I was like, just unhappy with life. And I sort of like, was like, all right, time to make a change. And fortunately, I really completely changed the way that I ate uh, nutrition. Again, nutritionist, you think you should know better. But I actually really learned more about, you know, actually meeting my daily protein needs, you know, and, and simple stuff like that. And, and I followed a program that kind of got me on the right track and started exercising regularly, you know, not just riding my horse. Although I would love to say that that is enough exercise. Uh, I learned, you know, lifting weights and, and paying attention to, you know, staying flexible and that all helps me with my riding anyway. So bonus. Yeah. And then I think sleep is something a lot of, I think, young people especially underestimate the importance of sleep. As you get older, you will learn. <laughs> but, you know, sleep hygiene and, and making sure that you're not doing things that are going to, it's going to impair the quality of your sleep. When I changed those things, my life turned around. I had so a much better perspective, not only at home, but at work. I started performing better at work. I was happier at work. I wasn't as easily frustrated and it was, you know, nothing I had done at work. I didn't take a class on being more productive or something yes. like that. It was literally just finding my center, you know, being healthier physically. And then yes, like spiritually and, and, and mentally too, you know, having my own quiet time and, and making sure I make time for myself. Like that was huge. And so you better believe now I prioritize all of that just as much as I do the stuff on my calendar for work. Yeah, I think that's just such great advice. And you're right. Some of those things we feel like we should know, but 
we have an audience of listeners who are hungry to hear the reality of that. And whether you and I are just a couple of years ahead or we're at the same kind of point in our career as our listeners, uh, we have to share those experiences and everything that we have learned through trial and error oftentimes and just acknowledging what works and maybe what doesn't and how this was successful and maybe this didn't work out so great. So you are, again, you know, a thriving equine professional as we are titled here and you've got an incredible job in the equine industry. You have a bronze and silver medalist. We didn't even talk about your horse, your incredible gelding that I do love to see on social media, but you're doing so many great things and you are truly an example of how to make it all work. And I think that it can look great from the outside. And, but we also acknowledge that every day is just a, it's part of the journey and you know, some days are still better than others and we're going to have challenges along the way. So I just appreciate, you know, yeah, that, absolutely. yeah, that honesty of, you know, really sharing, like to your point, the authenticity and of being you and letting other people know that it's actually okay to be you and you don't need to try to be anyone else. Yeah, no, that for sure. I mean, that's, that's why I like you, Jody, too, you know, you're authentically you and and, and, you know, the people that, that you come into contact with in your life and in your work, it's not the perfect people that you remember, it's the real people, you know, yes. and it's the people who aren't afraid to either admit their mistakes, ask for help, or even admit, you know, when they're struggling a little bit. And I find that hard personally, sometimes yeah. I don't like to admit that I'm struggling. I like to present, you know, that, oh, I've got everything under control. But the reality is nobody has it all under control. <laughs> We're all sort of behind the scenes, like have our own struggles. So yeah, I'm happy to always share if, if a struggle I had can help somebody else through their own struggle. I'm all about it. That's no problem. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Well, as we wrap up, I mean, you and I, I know could talk for hours, but as we wrap up for our listeners today, one of our new practices for 2024 here on The Thriving Equine Professional is to ask you a couple of questions. The first is, do you have one book or podcast that you would recommend to our listeners? And if so, why? Okay, this was a really hard, I had a very hard time thinking of just one. So I am going, I have a podcast. I'm a big fan of podcasts and I there's one podcast that I always go back to, and I love this podcast because she has really good guests on a variety of topics. And the, the podcast is For the Love with Jen Hatmaker, and she is an author, and she's kind of like a social activist, and but she covers the gamut with relationships, um, you know, anxiety, also just like fun things too, you know, food and, and, and like kind of culture sort of covers the gamut. So that is one podcast that if I'm like, have a topic I want to dive deep on, I'll kind of search her topics. And I know she's invited the expert on that topic yes. to talk about it. And it's also fun. It's fun. And she has heart and she's an authentic podcaster. So 
that's the the one I would recommend, although I have like 15 other that I love, but <laughs> right. we'll keep those coming for, you know, I'll make sure I, I ask you from yeah, time to time yeah. and we'll throw them into our social media conversations. But I that's one I have not listened to. So I can't wait to add that to my list. And second, we talk a lot about life balance and you talked some about this, but if there's one piece of advice that you would give to our listeners related to what I call life balance in, you know, this world that is spinning faster than ever before, is there one thing that comes to mind for you? Well, uh, again, a lot of things come to mind, but I'm, I'm very practical and I'm very detail oriented in a lot of ways. So really the biggest thing that keeps popping up for me when the, for this question is if you can try to automate or outsource as many things as you can, that frees up your time to spend it on what is important to you. And I know that's like a really practical piece of advice. So like what I mean by like outsource or automate. So for example, outsource, I outsource my grocery shopping to Instacart or Kroger delivery, right? I don't waste my time going to the grocery store anymore. I do it on the app and it comes and I swear that saves me like hours a week. I automate like things on my calendar. Like if there's something important to me, like answer emails for this period of time. Like every week it pops up on my email that I have to do this specific task once a week and I don't forget. And it's automated. I don't have to think about it. I have Chewy Auto Ship for all my pets, you know, heartware medicine. So I don't forget to give it to them. It's like thinks for me, you know. Yeah. I don't have to like call the vet every few weeks to, or a few months to get a, a refill you know, whatever, specifically, just whatever you can automate or outsource and take a little bit of time of like the daily management tasks that frees you up to do the things you love and to focus on the things that are important. So. Oh, I love that. I have learned so much more about that this year, starting my own business, right? Over the last 11 months. And it is so important. And I am quick to make the recommendation to take ownership of our time And I don't love to hear people talk, well, I don't have time. We have time for anything that we want to prioritize. We have to make time. And in today's world, our time can get sucked away in so many just dark tunnels. And we have no idea what just happened to the last six hours of our life. And so taking that ownership and automating things, I love it. My favorite addition this year has been Calendly. And that's how I do all of my booking for meetings, podcasts, coaching, you know, connections for potential speaking, those kinds of things. So I think that's tremendous advice, of course. All right. Yes. From you. So thank you uh, so much again for joining us today. I know there'll be some guests that would love to get in touch with you. And so I want to share your contact information. I know you and I are both on LinkedIn. So I know that we can send them to find you on LinkedIn, Dr. Kelly Vineyard, and I'll share that in our show notes. And then what about the pure, you mentioned the Purina Horse Facebook page uh, and the Equine Vet Nutrition website. So I want to make sure that those are the places you would send them as well. Right. So the Purina Horse Facebook page, uh, you know, I have a, a, I'm always uh, involved with that. So, but if you have a nutrition question, you can always message, you know, there and it, it'll either go to one of our, you know, experts there or, you know, might come to me. And then equinevetnutrition.com is a website that I 
kind of check all the time you can actually contact there's my picture on it in there you can send me an email uh through that website as well but you know any and always linkedin um the purina website i'm always happy to to talk to people about the equine industry and nutrition of course <laughs> of course oh dr vineyard thank you so much for joining us on the thriving equine professional this week and i appreciate you so very much Thrivers, you can meet us back here same time next week. Have an awesome day. Hey, Thriver, I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, I'd be so grateful if you hit that share button and send it to your tribe so they can thrive too. And while you're there, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so everyone can find the show. I love to know what keeps you listening, especially if I'm at the barn with you. I'll meet you back here same time next week. Cheers, Jody.